Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. y'all. Okay, I hardly ever get nervous for podcast recordings, and I'm sort of nervous today. (laughs) This is my special 40th birthday episode, which is crazy because sometimes there's times where I'm like, oh my God, I still feel like I'm 17. Like I really do, which is a blessing, I guess, but time is a freaking crazy thing. Anyways, today's a special episode. And I'm answering those questions and it is my 40th birthday today. I'm excited. So we have, I got a few other questions, which I believe I DM'd you back. If I'm not putting it in this episode, it might be something that is for another episode or that I was just like, this is going to be way too long of an answer. So if I didn't get back to you, please DM me again and bump it up and I'll answer your question privately or If you really want me to answer it on the podcast, I'll do another just like totally random ask me anything. But I sort of wanted, I sort of wanted to have a little bit of a theme of like evolving, maturing, getting older, my life, stuff like that. So yeah, DM me if I don't read and answer one of your questions, but I have seven questions today that I'm going to be answering, but I have them written out so that I don't miss any. So here are the seven, just so you know, I'm going to tell you guys the questions. I don't know if I'm going to answer them in order. I'll see. But these are the seven questions just to make sure that you actually want to listen to this episode and that you want to hear my answers. Okay. What do you suck at in life right now? I'm just going to choose a couple of things because there's lots of things I suck at right now. What are your guilty pleasures? That's a good one. How have you dealt with your religious background and being more spiritual? What are you taking with you and what are you leaving behind as you step into Allison version 4.0? That has been, that's been what I've been calling this year, me turning 40 is that I'm stepping into Allison version 4.0, which probably it's like Allison version 25.0, but I'll explain what I'm talking about. What is being on the roof like? Have you ever had anxiety or depression? And if so, how did you deal with them? And what are your biggest manifestations you've called in so far in your life? These are some good questions. Okay, so seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm just sort of looking at the time and making sure this is not a two and a half hour episode because I could talk about these a lot. Okay, I'm trying to think if I should start with a lighter one or a deeper one, (laughs) a heavier one. Oh, first thing. A couple of announcements. One fun thing that I am doing for my birthday is a discount code. The code, and I'll put this in the show notes, 40BDAY, 40BDAY, will get you a big discount on a human design reading with me or a new paradigm intensive session with me, or 
off of your first month inside of Alchemy. And just FYI, Alchemy, my membership, for right now, I don't know how long we're going to do this for, for right now, it is only a six-month commitment instead of a 12-month commitment. And I'm playing around with this. I'm taking a two-day solo business retreat this month to sort of figure out 2024 and the structure and the systems and the scaling and all of that. So I'll let you guys know, but for right now, it's only a six month commitment. It used to be 12 months. And I do feel like with the library that I have right now, you could probably get through it in six months if you were, you know, consistent with everything. There's a lot in the library. My getting rich courses in there, my time bending courses in there, prosperity process, my manifestation workshop, cheat codes, which is basically you can use all of that to then utilize human design in whatever business that you have. There's a ton of things. Click on the link. You can see all of the courses listed out, but I'm going to try to figure out a timeline for y'all that are signing up now to make sure you can get through all of the courses within the six months. If you need to renew after that and stay in a little longer, that's totally fine too. And you also get Zoom hot seat coaching with me. Right now we're doing it at the full moon and the new moon, and we change up times so that we can get everybody to be able to jump on at least once a month. So DM me if you have any questions, but that coupon code 40BDAY is only through Sunday. So grab it right now for any of those three offers. I just wanted to gift y'all something in celebration of me getting old. Yes. Okay. That's the only announcements that I have right now, I think. And I usually release these episodes on Wednesdays, but today is special because I wanted to come out on my actual birthday. So there you go. Okay. Let's get to these seven questions. And I'm trying, I really tried to figure out what I should start with. How about what are your guilty pleasures? That's a light, a light one. Okay. Getting this question. <laughs> made me realize I need more guilty pleasures. Y'all, I take myself too seriously. Sometimes I don't allow for time for guilty pleasures. Most, I mean, I'm a mom. I'm an entrepreneur. I do a lot of single parenting because Cam is out of town for work or different things a lot. So I don't have a lot of extra time. And a lot of things are shifting in my life. I would think that I would maybe used to say that my guilty pleasure would be like a happy hour or um, going on a wine weekend with my girls and we'll get there. But I don't, I don't, haven't been drinking as much as I have the last 20 years. And so that's not one of my guilty pleasures anymore. Um, in the summer, I did have a consistent guilty pleasure of laying out at the pool without my child, which was so nice. I would bring a book. I would bring my journal. I would put my earphones in and listen to 90s grunge music while laying out. Um, I love the sun. I love being near water. I love laying out. Oh my God. Like it is, I'm the person that when we would go on like beach trips with all my girlfriends, I would be the one laying out in a chair by the pool or by the beach when it was cloudy and raining and being like, respect the sun. If you lay out and act like the sun is coming out, it is going to come out. So I love laying out. 
Um, that's not possible right now. It was like 40 degrees this morning. So, but I do love getting out in the sun. Like that's, I don't know that that's a guilty pleasure. I mean, you know, taking two hours while my child's at school to go lay out and just like do nothing, I guess would be a guilty pleasure. But I, I try in the summertime to do that at least once a week. And it's just amazing. So, um, I don't watch a ton of TV and I know that a lot of people are big into like the Bravo shows and reality shows. I can't, I, I just can't do it anymore. I used to be a big bachelor bachelorette person, but that was back when we'd have the Monday girls nights and drink two bottles of wine each. And yeah, Tuesday sucked. <laughs> um, so I don't watch a lot of TV. I do watch Seinfeld and the office. I'm a total nerd. I love those. Um, there was a, one of my favorite shows is called people of earth, but I don't know that it's on anymore and they didn't renew it. And I don't know why. I also love what we do in the shadows. Love that TV show. I don't know if it's coming out with another season, but it's hilarious. I think it's on Hulu. Um, I tried watching Yellowstone this year. I love Yellowstone. Love it. It is a total freaking soap opera. Um, it makes me want to move to Montana and have a ranch and all the things. Um, Casey's hot. Like I was telling Cam the other night, I was like, oh my God, if Casey was like 6'2", he would just like be, I mean, I know, I think he's pretty short, um, which is not my jam, but yeah, if Casey was like 6'2", he'd be like my perfect human being. He's so hot. But Yellowstone is a little, like I watch TV at night. So sometimes, and definitely with my blue blockers on if I do, but I don't think I've watched TV at night in like a month now. Uh, but I was trying to watch some of Yellowstone before bed, but it was a little bit too violent and dramatic. And I have to be really careful with what I take in right before going to sleep. So that's on pause right now. And maybe if there's a time in my life where I can like binge it during the day, sometimes I will do that because I've heard it's a really awesome show. And I think I got through season one and I'm at the beginning of season two and it's just going to have to take a pause. So yeah. Um, I also recently have been, I read the first book of the, oh my gosh, what's it called? Crown of Thorns and Roses, Sarah something. I forget her last name. Loved the first book. For some reason, I'm having a hard time with the second book. I'm halfway through and it's something that I read in the bath. Almost every night I take an Epsom salt essential oil bath and read. and just for like 10, 15 minutes. And I've, that's like sitting on the ledge of my bathtub and it's, I don't know why I'm having a hard time. So if you're a COTR fan, should I keep going? Is it get better? I'm a little bit confused which, with what's going on with her and rice sand, if that's how you say it. And do you say her name fairy or Feyre? I'm anyways, I don't know. I loved book one. I don't know if I should keep going. It's, I read it. I still read it every night. So those are my guilty pleasures, but I guess I need more. So y'all DM me, tell me what your guilty pleasures are aside from alcohol. I'm not doing that, but, um, I also sometimes take Delta eight at night, not, and I take it timing wise so that it hits as I'm getting into bed. I don't like the feeling of being high. Um, I don't like it. Like I used to, 
I, I used to enjoy that feeling. And lately, I think I'm just more sensitive to everything. And I don't like it just makes me tired. And it makes me feel lazy and sort of not good. But I do sometimes take Delta eight to go to sleep. And it's been awesome. But I don't know, I guess that's a guilty pleasure. I don't know, it's legal. So whatever. Um, that's okay for me right now. So that's number one. What are your guilty pleasures? I answered them. I am open to receiving ideas for new guilty pleasures because I think that's something I need to pay attention to and prioritize a little bit more. Um, my psychedelics coach, Bijou, she's Mushroom Mamacita on Instagram. She's very big on prioritizing pleasure and play. So that's something probably I need to prioritize a little bit more. Okay. Next question. Have you ever had anxiety or depression? And if so, how did you deal with them? Yes, yes, and yes. I'm having a lot of anxiety lately. It's not the same like as chronic anxiety. This is sort of, ex there's a reason for it. And human design wise, I have an open root chakra and there's a lot of time pressure happening. Personal reasons, holiday stuff, making plans ahead of time. The past six months, I've very much taken life day by day and I have had like zero anxiety, zero, zero. And then once November came on and looking forward to Thanksgiving and my birthday and my husband's birthday and Christmas and all the, the different things, I started feeling the intensity of that root pressure and anxiety and having like adrenal issues again, which I haven't had in a really long time. So I'm easing up on caffeine. I'm doing extra magnesium, all those things. But so I have like a little bit of anxiety lately. Um, but for real, for real anxiety, I did have postpartum anxiety. Well, let's rewind actually. Going back, I was an anxious kid from age five to 12, 11, as I remember. So those six years were really, really hard. My mom took me to therapy. Um, I got on some herbal like dr drops that were supposed to be like calming, didn't really help. It was very interesting because once I got into junior high and had a little bit more structure and joined band, I am a band nerd, by the way, if you are new to my world, um, and joined band, had a lot more structure. And I think an area to put all of the energy and focus and attention that sort of didn't have somewhere to go. As a generator with a defined ego in human design, I had a whole lot of energy and it didn't really have anywhere to go. And I think it sort of manifested in OCD and anxiety and just like not having a normal childhood, a normal, not because of my parents or anything, but like just because of, I didn't have an outlet for that. And once I joined band in junior high, then it was all okay. And I didn't really have anxiety again. I mean, there was times where it was like, I wanted to get straight at, you know, I still sort of had that type A personality where I wanted to make sure I got A's on my tests and that I passed off my music and all of that kind of stuff, but not the same level of angst. It was just sort of like situational and then it would go away once I was done. So, um, yeah, I had early, early anxiety as a child and there's probably lots of other stuff that, that led to that as well, but that's what I can see as was the main culprit really, um, from the age of about five to 11, then didn't have any issues. 
um, at 20, yeah, age 20, I had a major episode of depression, but it was also situational. I went through my first breakup. Um, and it's interesting because looking back, it was just because I had thought like I had thought my life was going to go a certain way. It was in college that we broke up and I thought I was going to marry him. I had like all of these expectations and ways that I thought things were going to go. And he was sort of like my everything. Um, we went to different schools, but you know, I was very loyal to him and we, it was that, that first true love, like just deep love. I was very lucky to have that experience because I know not everybody has that experience um, in their, you know, as teenagers, I had a really good experience with my first relationship, but when it ended, it was like, that was my everything. That was my future. And I didn't know me. So it was like, I didn't have a sense of self. And when that other person was no longer in my life, I was just flailing and I was really not okay. I wasn't ever suicidal. Um, but I, I don't know. I remember that night I drove from Austin to Houston to my parents' house. I drove from college to Houston to my parents' house. And I like, I blacked out. I wasn't drinking or anything. I just, I like literally blacked out while driving. I was so not okay. Anyways, started seeing a therapist, which was really great. And I think I got on an antidepressant. I don't remember if it was Zoloft or Prozac, but look, I mean, you, I'm very anti big pharma. If, if you have been listening for a while, you know, these things, I think a lot of us became awake to a lot of things during 2020. But, um, I do think that antidepressants can have a time and place. I wish that I had had access to, you know, um, some psychedelic therapy at that time. That was so like not a thing. Maybe, I mean, it was in certain places, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, that could have maybe been a different route I could have taken other than the Zoloft. I, I forget which one it was. I think it was actually Prozac because you like Prozac had such a funny name and a funny, I don't know. It was like, Oh, you're crazy. If you're on Prozac, you know, that was back in 2004. Jesus. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever taken an antidepressant, but it did, it did numb and it helped me sort of just get through for a while. And I think I was only on it for like six months and then started weaning off and then was totally off of it before that, the year, you know, before the 12 months. So I didn't even take it for a year. Um, and then I started noticing a lot of depression and anxiety come up, not having to do with the breakup, but because I started drinking a lot. So, and I didn't know, I thought something was wrong with me. I was like, I'm having anxiety and I don't know why there's two different things. I started drinking way more. And I also got a Blackberry, like the first quote unquote smartphone. And my anxiety was majorly increased during that time. And I don't know if it was one or the other or both. I mean, I actually know that it was both like scientifically, both will cause you extreme anxiety. Um, 
but yeah, I started drinking more and I got a Blackberry and I, when I got my first job, I was just sort of like, I, I felt important and I felt like I had to answer emails all the time and see them right away. And they were on my Blackberry and it causes anxiety <laughs> and we're all still trying to figure out why we're anxious or depressed and it's all these things. But so, yeah, I had, that was a lot of anxiety, some depression, not well, depression. It was depression. I could tell when I like drank a few nights in a row, I was more depressed for like the next week. Um, but the anxiety I think was a combination of, of the alcohol and the Blackberry. So, yeah. And then I think just most of my twenties, I was pretty anxious the whole time. Um, after I had Caroline, I had severe postpartum anxiety, slight depression, the baby blues type, not anything crazy depression wise, but incredible anxiety and looking and I end, I ended up going on Zoloft for about six months, same situation. So I've been on antidepressants twice um, for six months each time and then weaned off of them because I just didn't like the way that it made me feel. It makes my ears tingle. It makes my head tingle. And it made me feel just sort of numb. Like I couldn't get the highs, the joy. I couldn't access that on antidepressants. Um, so yeah, that did help with my postpartum anxiety. And I think a few things led to that. I know that there's just a hormone situation too. Um, I was, I overly scheduled everything. I followed the mom's on call schedule. If we have a second child, I'm just going to follow my intuition. Nothing against the mom's on call schedule, nothing against sleep training, all of that kind of stuff. We did all of that. She was actually a great sleeper because of that schedule, but I was not okay. And it ended up affecting my nursing, like breast milk supply. And I ended up drinking more than I should have. You're not supposed to drink like at all when you breastfeed. And I was drinking probably one or two glasses a night. There's still times that I feel really guilty about that because Caroline sucks these two fingers. That's like her little soothing thing. And I just like, I have to work on this with myself, but sometimes I blame myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's because I was anxious. And it was because I was drinking and a, even a little bit of alcohol getting in her system, even if the strip said I was okay, um, causes more cortisol and adrenaline in her little system. And so it just something that will not be happening if we have a second child. Um, I will just be following my intuition. I will probably be co-sleeping. I will not be, we never did cry it out until maybe she was like two and a half. We like, there was a couple nights that we tried, but not when she was an infant. Um, but we did do sleep training and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. I did a new paradigm session with a gal who used to be a sleep consultant for infants and now is moving into other areas. And I was just like sleep. It, it, it was interesting what her chart said because it was very much on the like bringing in the new paradigm vibe. And I was like, sleep training is not going to be part of the new paradigm. Like, it's just not, we're gonna, as mothers really listen to our intuition and be there for our child and all the attachment theory stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I get that there's certain things that you have to do for your own well-being, but like I wasn't okay anyways. And then I was trying to 
schedule, over schedule, force, all this kind of stuff. So I think that's where a lot of the anxiety came from. Also, I had a hospital birth. It was a vaginal birth and I wanted to do totally natural. And of course the hospital did not listen to me. Um, when we walked in, when we checked in, I go, I want a nitrous oxide machine. Didn't bring it to me. Didn't 12 hours later, didn't bring it to me. Um, had to get an epidural because my blood pressure was so high. And a lot of that is my control issues. It's like, I wanted it to look this way. Nobody was listening to me. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that happened that were just truly terrible, Ugh, like truly terrible. I have like such a jaded view of the medical system and I'm grateful that I was able to have a vaginal birth, but I really think that getting an epidural screwed with my body and my mental health and Caroline truly. I mean, I did, I didn't know that that it had fentanyl in it. Lord have mercy. There's just, I, there's apparently a lot of guilt that I still have to sort of release with all of that. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, okay, well maybe it needed to happen that way so that certain things would have happened so that then I would evolve and change. Cause if I would have had that perfect birth, none of this might, might not have happened. So I think that postpartum anxiety was really a mixture between my control issues, overscheduling, I will say F-U-C-K to the mom's on call book next time, <laughs> and also getting an epidural. I think things would have looked a lot different if I would have had a natural birth or a home birth or a birth at a birthing center. So yeah, I've had anxiety and depression several times. Well, depression really once in my twenties, I like ebbed and flowed through that, but never got on medication. And one thing that truly helped the postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression after I had weaned off of the Zoloft was psychedelics. I did mind bloom, which is ketamine therapy. And I also started working with Bijou, the mushroom mamacita. And, and microdosing and those have been really, really amazing and haven't had any anxiety at all until lately, which is sort of just time pressure anxiety. And it's much more, I don't need a substance or medication to deal with that. I have other resources that I, that I've been using for that. So, um, I have been microdosing, so that's a thing, but you know, anyways, I think I answered the question fully and I went on a tangent. So there you go. So how have you dealt with your religious background and being more spiritual? Okay. I think I need to do a whole episode on this because I got this question in a couple of different ways from y'all. And I always get this question and I need to pull some resources too so that, because our connection to God as humans is so personal and not everybody's looks the same. So everything that I'm going to be sharing with you is for me. So it's maybe not for you, but I do, I would like to resource you and I haven't had the time to sit and do that and sort of gather all of the resources that I've been going through the past several years to make sense of this for myself. So I grew up Methodist, loved my church. I loved going to church. 
I was the one who, when my parents wanted to just sleep in or have a lazy Sunday, I was like, nope, we're going to church. Here we go. I was playing the flute at the sunrise service at 5 a.m. on Easter. I was a church girl. And I think this is part of my um, soul's path right now, actually, that I that I was very religious and slightly judgmental the first little bit of my life and that I was meant to sort of step away from that for a while and find my own path and then come back to God. So I believe as a Christian, I'm the weirdest. I would love for you to tell me if there's a weirder Christian than me that you know, um, because I'm not a Christian that believes that Jesus, like that anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus in this lifetime is going to hell. I don't know the answer. I don't know what actually happens when we die. If somebody says that they do, they don't know what they're talking about because we don't know. We don't know. Even the most, you know, I don't know, like strongest Christian or Jewish person or Muslim or whatever religion, the strongest Christian that you know, if they say that they know what's happening after they die, they do not because we do not know. And there's a mystery in it. And that's part of the cool coolness of being a human <laughs> on this earth. We don't know. Unless you've had a a near-death experience or a death experience, and then you had an experience, but you don't know really, really what's going to happen when you actually die, right? We don't know. Um, but I really, like, it's interesting because even when I sort of started, I stopped going to church probably around 25 or so. And just... I took some time where it was like, I'm still a Christian, but I like don't want anything to do with any of this stuff, which I'm grateful for. And actually getting back into connecting with God the last several years, especially after having a kid. I mean, how do you have a child and not believe in God? I don't know. Like, I, or not believe in something bigger than you. I don't know. Cause like, where did that child come from and their little soul? And ugh, it's just, it makes me cry. Anyways. I had to do some looking at like, who is Jesus to me? You know, is it some guy that I learned about and it's so conditioned in my subconscious because I went to church from zero to seven and zero to seven is that like really important time where our brains and subconscious and little beings are just molded with everything that comes in at us, which is a whole other really hard thing to know because our parents didn't know this. <laughs> now, now we as parents know this, that zero to seven is so important. Is it just like this learning conditioning that I had? But it wasn't. It was like this just amazing connection. And I don't even know what Jesus looked like. We don't know. Um, but you see all these pictures. I don't know. To me, Jesus, I don't like view like it's not a visual thing. It's like a inside thing. It's more of like a Christ consciousness vibe than Jesus, the man who hung on a cross. Um, in going, and then I started going back and reading some of the New Testament. And 
The way that Jesus talked, he was not trying to come make a church. He was trying to help the church die and start the new age movement. And now Christians are so scared to death of the new age movement. And I know there's some weird things that people are teaching and interesting gurus that probably are not in their, you know, sort of doing like actions from ego instead of alignment and in alignment with God and all of those things. But, you know, there's imperfections in the church and there's imperfections in the quote unquote new age movement. I think Jesus was trying to come and start the new age movement when he was alive on earth. He wasn't speaking inside of churches. He didn't come to make a Christian church. He came to show us that we can do the same things that he is doing. Right? Like you, I am the son of God. You are also all the sons and daughters of God, you can do the same miracles as me. Same. As long as you put on this Christ consciousness, as long as you have a direct connection with God. I think that the church has caused more harm than good. I think it is dying. I think that a lot of Christians actually know this and it's going to be a good thing. Um, I had mostly good experiences in church, especially at my church. I was friends with a gal who was Southern Baptist, and we went to some of her church uh, vacation Bible schools and retreats and different things, and I did not feel good there. It was very, and not, nothing against Baptist people. This is just my my own, this could have happened at a Lutheran church or at a Methodist church or Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. But um, when I went on some of those retreats, it was very like manipulative trying to get you to quote unquote, be saved and go get baptized again and all of these things. Um, And it was an icky feeling. I don't have an icky feeling about Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. (laughs) Uh, Like I, that Christ, Christ consciousness, the, the, teachings of Jesus are what I want to embody. I'm not perfect at them. I suck at them right now, but I'm working on it. And that's my role model and expander. And there's a lot of really gross, yucky, not good things about the church. And I think the church is dying and I'm really excited about that. And I think that there's going to be a new community of Christ followers who are going to do things in the way that Jesus intended it when he came to earth. That's my opinion. I am actually not meant to be opinionated. My in human design, my Ajna is open today is defined. So I figured I could say these things. And I think the next few years are going to be really interesting for the, the, you know, I don't know, watching the church have this evolution of what it was really meant to be. And I don't know if it's going to be called the church still. Um, I don't know. I think Jesus had meant for something different 2000 years ago. And I think we're finally getting ready to usher that in. So it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens. I hope that answered that well. Um, If you have more questions, let me know, because I probably need to do a whole episode on this.
But that is that. Okay. Do, 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 do. What do you suck at in life right now? Let me do this. This is going to be a short one just because, ugh. Oh my gosh. So I feel I've been going on like a roller coaster the past couple of years. Um, for, for the, so I started this business in July, 2020 for the first like two years, I was very operating in generator energy and just slight workaholism. And then last summer, 2022 was when I was like, Ooh, I can like do less and have better results. Um, and have more time for my family and more off time and more time living instead of working and all of that. So that's been the vibe of the past like year and a half. And I've gotten a lot better at these things, but I still suck at them. Um, being a mom and being a wife. I think I'm a pretty good business owner. I know I'm not at a million dollar business yet. I know that that will get there, but I do prioritize my business for the most part each day during the weekdays. That is not how I want my life to look like the next 40 years at all. Um, I want to have, I want to prioritize being a mom and a wife above my business. And I think I'm in a season right now where it's getting to a point of, there's like some transitions going on with us moving and with us getting our finances in order and getting to a place of scalability and structure and streamline and all of that kind of stuff. So I think in 2024, this is going to work itself out, but we're still a little bit in the like, okay, well, I sort of have to do this, even though I don't want to do it. And I need to prioritize this just to make sure that we can pay our mortgages and all of that kind of stuff. So we're still a little bit in, in 3D world in that way, but I'm aware of it. And I, in noticing that, like, I want to prioritize motherhood and my marriage when I'm not working, I'm very aware of the, the extreme discomfort in being present. Um, there's been... When I, when I did the time bending course, I was excelling at this. And I think that that's something that we need to talk about, like as humans and coaches and entrepreneurs and stuff is that, and especially teachers, like people who are teaching other people, there's times in your, there's going to be seasons in your life where you're excelling at this one thing and you are meant to teach about it. And then like six months later, you're sort of sucking at that. So I'm not out there selling my time bending course a lot right now. It's part of my alchemy membership, but I'm sort of sucking at it right now and I'm having a really hard time being present. And part of that is because of what I talked about earlier with the past six months, I've been taking things day by day and it's been so good. And then when I get to where I'm like thinking ahead and planning and all of that, I get so scarcity minded around time. And then in the morning with Caroline or in the afternoon, evening with Pam and Caroline, I'll start to just go to like, okay, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. I need to, like, these need to go on my to-do list. And man, that has been, it's been something, especially the last week or two, I've been really, really aware of 
And sometimes when you're aware of things, it makes it so much harder for a little while because you're like, I'm aware of it and I still suck at it. And I wish I just wasn't aware of it. <laughs> you know, this is the, the curse that comes with waking up. You're aware of things and you're not yet refined in them. You haven't mastered them yet. So it's a really uncomfortable feeling. And that's where I am. It's interesting. First night this week, like Monday night, I had a really hard time with this. Cam wasn't here and it was just me and Caroline. And I'd sort of had a back-to-back day and didn't have any time for meditating or grounding or taking walk or anything like that. And so I was just so not present with her. And then Tuesday, I was like, okay, then going to bed Monday, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do better tomorrow. I'm going to do better tomorrow. And Tuesday was like a whole lot better. And then Wednesday was even better. And so it's almost noticing these, there's a book called The Gap and the Gain. So it's noticing the gain and your improve, small improvements rather than being like, I'm not where I want to be, right? So that's what I'm doing with that. Same with the marriage situation. Um, it has been, this year has been the most growth in my marriage than the 10, 11 years we've been together, like the most growth and the most improvement and evolution. And there's still hard parts of it. It's almost like (laughs) I've used this analogy before. It's almost like your car's really dirty and you go get it cleaned and it's clean, but then you notice the dents in it. That's where we are. We've cleaned up so much stuff in our marriage and now we're noticing some of the dents and things where we're like, okay, we need to go like get this dent leveled. What do you do? They like level it out. They clear it out. They fix it. Um, That's where I am with motherhood and marriage. It's like I had a really dirty car and I got it cleaned and detailed and now I can see the dents and now I'm working on. I don't, what word is that where you're, Fixing the dents. I don't know. Whatever. That's what we're doing right now. So that's what I suck at in life right now. There you go. Okay. What is being on the roof like? Oh my God. Okay. So this is a human design question. I'm a 6'2". As the six for a profile. Go listen to episodes number 160 if you don't know what I'm talking about. And especially listen to it if you're a 6'2". It is so good. And they're in the show notes is the links are the links to all of the different um, profile episodes so that y'all have them. So, so you have six twos have three parts of their life, zero to 30 ish, 30 to 50 and 50 on zero to 30. You're acting as a three. It's all about experimentation. I wish I would have known this in my twenties. <laughs> makes me feel a lot better now. Um, 30 to 50 is called being on the roof and then 50 and on is coming off of the roof. It is the most uncomfortable thing ever. I don't think I actually went on the roof until about 33. Was it? It was like 2018, 2017. So 33, 33, 2017. 
I'm going to read actually straight from the founder of human design has like a little excerpt about it. And I'm going to read it because it's interesting. He says, going up on the roof, what I see is that in the first transition, the so-called movement of the sixth line being to go up on the roof, that in the same way that children mature at different rates, and they do, some of them are very fast and slow and some walk right, right away and so forth and so on. That one of the things that I see is that there's not an actual point where the three finally becomes a six. So he's talking about age 30. Obviously, it's going to be, at least from the way I look at things, approximately three and a half years on either side of the market marker. So it can be anywhere from 27 to 33. So I was, I took my time. I was slower. Mine was around 33. He says, what one of the most difficult things for the sixth line being being able to do is to shed. Once they come into the world, once they're actually born as a sixth line being, is to shed that third line process. You could also look at it in terms of the butterfly and this whole process of metamorphosis that takes place. These are the metamorphic stages. The thing that I see so clearly in my work and friendships and all the other things that are part of my connection to the six line beings is that they have never truly let go of that proto stage. It's sort of like a butterfly not letting go of the cocoon. It's like, where is it? This is what I still am. Of course, if you're a butterfly and you still think you're in the cocoon, you don't fly. It doesn't happen. You don't spread your wings. Nobody sees the beauty. It's clear to me that the analogy of birth, because it is birth, the first step onto the roof, this is a birth. And this is a, pass a passage through as in any birth could possibly be. So one of my first concerns with six-line beings, because they like to identify with the third-line beings, is harmony. Not only is it a harmony, but that that's their cocoon, their pouch, where they can be well-protected. So the fact of the matter is that when you think about what it is, what it is to be you, when you think about what that is, you have to begin your life in a different place. Oh, this makes me cry. You have to begin your life when you begin the process on the roof. And when you begin the process on the roof correctly, this is one of the dilemmas. It's something to always keep in mind about the nature of being a six-line being, that when you come off the roof, this is when the forces keep score. Nature is very cruel when it comes to mutation. If a mutation is going to be viable, then it has to prove itself viable. And it cannot prove itself viable. It is deeply vulnerable. Everyone who carries a sixth line in their profile is deeply vulnerable. They simply are. And they are at their most vulnerable when they come off the roof. So for me, this looked like at 33 was I, when I moved from Austin to Dallas. I, I became a total introvert. I noticed my two, I became a total introvert and hermit and I stopped being a social and I, that's sort of when I had like a midlife crisis, honestly, I was just like, what am I doing? What's going on? Life doesn't make sense. It was so like, what is my future going to be? I don't know. I started having major control issues because all I wanted was to get married and have a baby and that wasn't happening yet. It was honestly terrible. So the first little bit of being on the roof, it was like me knowing that I was going, like I was in my cocoon, but I was like, I just want to be the caterpillar. I just want to go back to being the caterpillar. I don't want to do this. This is scary. This is not good. And I really, <laughs> it took until 2020 for me to be like, okay, I'm into my cocoon and this is great. And I'm just going to love being here for a while, but it's so hard. And you feel so alone. 
And you love all of your connections and friendships that you made in that first 30 years, but you're scared because you're not the same person and you're scared that they're not going to love you for being in the cocoon and then later on being the butterfly. And I think that everybody in my life who really is meant to be in my life will um, love these aspects of me. But man, sometimes I feel so alone. And sometimes I feel like, oh my God, I'm just ready for 50. Like I'm just ready for the butterfly stage. (laughs) Even though I know that right now, just this past year is the time that I've actually become comfortable with being in the in-between stage, the cocoon phase. And I don't want to wish the next 10 years away, even though I know that 50 and beyond is just going to be magical. I don't want to wish these next 10 years away. I want to really enjoy them. And it's almost like I have to like not be so expansive and extroverted. I have to just sort of like be on the roof and watch things. And you're like, okay, I'm not the same as all the rest of these people. I'm not better. I'm a freaking caterpillar that's mush right now turning into a butterfly. Um, It is a weird feeling. It's not comfortable. And I'm trying my best to use the gifts that I've been giving, given and the wisdom from my first 40 years to make the world a better place and to make other people's lives better and easier. But I still go through my own discomfort and probably will for the next 10 years. But I'm trying to enjoy it and not be scared of it. Anyways, listen to episode 160. Reach out to me if you're a 6'2 and if any of this resonated with you. It's not easy. Okay. What are your biggest manifestations you've called in so far in life? Oh, I have a lot. Okay. 2024. I don't, you guys tell me if you can find the word. Um, You know how people choose a word for the year. I might choose a few different words, but one of mine is one of my themes for 2024 is becoming unjaded. Man, especially once I started junior high, I became a little manifester, not in human design type, like I'm a generator, but I was able to manifest things really powerfully and really fast. Um, is interesting too, because when I was, so in Texas, junior high starts in sixth grade or where I was from. So in fifth grade, I was playing the violin. I wanted to be, back then they were called the Dixie Chicks. I wanted to be a fiddler in, like, in a band like the Dixie Chicks. And so I started the violin and I sucked at it real bad. And I practiced my little heart out so much, but I sucked. And we had... Uh, what's it called? Year-round school that year. So we had a, the whole month of March off, and we went to go pretty much every day. We went to my grandmother's house. She was dying of colon cancer. She was in hospice, like she had a hospital bed in in the living room. And I brought my my violin over there, and she was like, "Alison." You know, when you're like on morphine or whatever drug she was on, you just sort of like speak your truth. She was like, Alice, she wasn't like this normally. She was super, super. She was like, Allison, you're terrible at that. You need to pick a new instrument. And I was like, okay. 
So I was, but you know, you're, I listened to her and I was like, okay, I do need to. And she passed away the next month. And then I think it was that summer that I was like, okay, well, I'll join band and I want to play the flute. And it was interesting because just a few years ago, my mom found a letter that my grandmother wrote to her parents when she was a little girl and she asked for a flute and that's all she wanted. And she never got one. And I don't think she ever told me to play the flute. She just said, you need to pick a different instrument, but I picked the flute. And I just now found out that she had all she wanted was to be able to play the flute. And I was freaking good at it. It was like, I picked it up and just knew how to play it and was, I mean, I worked at it a lot. I practiced a lot. And that was also a blessing because it gave me somewhere to put all my energy and it made my anxiety and OCD totally go away um, or rerouted into band, which was fine. It was a little bit healthier, um, but I was really good at it. And it brought a lot of really cool things into my life. Um, I'm trying to think about junior high. I don't know. Junior high was just like band and junior high and stuff. And in high school, like I was a band nerd. I was a total band nerd and I dated the quarterback of the football team. Like I manifested that. Uh, I got my dream job at age 22. I had, I was planning on going to law school. I wanted to go to Pepperdine, live in Malibu. Um, I did really well on the LSATs. I did well with all my applications and I was like, planning to move. Me and my family went to LA to go check everything out. And then I think when we got back from LA, I got a call from a guy that I had an internship with in college. And he was like, Hey, this would actually be the perfect job for you if you decide not to go to law school. And my dad's an attorney and he was like, Allison, you can always go to law school. Like if you want to work in the music industry, then you should probably go work in the music industry. And then get connections and learn it. And then you can go to law school in your mid twenties if you still want to be an entertainment lawyer. So I got that job. I don't know if other people applied, but it was a real good job with real good pay working with bands that I was obsessed with. <laughs> like it was all these Texas country music artists and like Texas country was my jam. And I was working with them on a daily basis. It's sort of crazy. Um, I also, around that time, this is a total share. I was, I mean, I was 22. I was reading Twilight. I hadn't, the, the movies hadn't come out yet, but I was reading Twilight and I was like so obsessed with them. And I had my heart broken so bad from the first breakup, you know, at 20. And I was like, after that, I became like a little bit feminist, which wasn't awesome. I'm... I mean, I understand some benefits to feminism, but I think for the most part, it's been not great. That could be a whole episode too, huh? Anyways, <laughs> um, I was just like, F boys, blah, blah, blah. I'm never, I like, I'm never, even if I get married, I'm never changing my last name. And then Twilight came out and I was like, oh my God, I would totally change my last name to Cullen, which is hilarious because that's my last name now. Um... Yeah, I got my dream job. And then I think around age 24, um, I started reading the four-hour work week. And I was like, okay. Like, I had a great job. It was 
it was not super corporate. Like it was pretty lax. I brought my chocolate lab puppy to work. I would take two hour lunches. I would, you know, I, it was probably not good, but I was just living my life. I would take a lot more vacation than I probably should have, but I, I, I was available and did the things that I needed to and all of that. But yeah, I, it was a pretty cushy job. But after reading the four hour work week, I was like, dude, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to work. I was just like, okay, God, show me how you want me to do this. Literally a couple weeks later, some of my colleagues came to me and they're like, hey, we're starting this booking agency. We'd love for you to come be the accountant for it. We already have some clients for you. So you could sort of just start, you could own your own business and have your own clients instead of working for the CPA firm. I was like, okay. It was a yes. So I became an entrepreneur at age 25. Oh man, so many things I would do differently, but it was awesome. I had a lot of time freedom and had a lot of fun. Was using that three line very effectively with the experimenting. Lord have mercy. Yeah, that was, it was a fun time. Um, but yeah, I became, I manifested becoming an entrepreneur and it just sort of being given to me in that way. This business has been a little bit different. Clients were not given to me. I had to sort of jump before the net was there. Um, but that all, so I manifested that too. I remember it was January, 2020 and Caroline was four months old and we had decided to put her in part-time daycare, just like eight to 12 so that I could get my work done. Um, and I was at the time doing working in the music industry and also doing network marketing and, and, and had been, well, I was a leader in my network marketing company. Like I had been since 2012. So that was, that was like a big deal. But once I had to take her to daycare, I was like, I don't, I love working but I don't want to drop my kid off at daycare to go do something that doesn't like 5 billion percent light me up. But I didn't know what that was. I had already been applying human design in a lot of ways, but it wasn't there. Nothing had come to me of like, this is your job. This is your career. It's almost like I needed space and time to be able to figure that out. I was just, I was in postpartum anxiety. I was, it, it was terrible. So I hated dropping her off those first couple of months. And I was like, God, I need, I need a miracle. Like I need a miracle and I need you to show me what I'm supposed to be doing instead. Am I supposed to be a stay at home mom? Am I supposed to switch careers? What am I supposed to do? I don't, I have no idea because both of them weren't lighting me up. Network marketing or accounting wasn't lighting me up anymore. And then COVID came. I did not manifest COVID. I have a lot of ideas about that. It was a shit show. It was not cool, but if it wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. So COVID hit, music industry shut down. My network marketing company actually took off and tripled in revenue because I was applying human design to it and teaching my team about human design. It tripled. It was crazy. So that financially helped. And then that opened up a ton of time. I think I had like six months basically of like not having to do the music industry stuff full-time 
And my network marketing company was just sort of working on its own. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So during that time, I was teaching human design a lot to my network marketing gals. And then other friends and family started asking me about it and asking me to do readings. And I had a nine month old, you know, so I didn't have all the time in the world. And I ended up being like, okay, I'm going to get certified in this so that I know what I'm talking about. And then I'm going to start a podcast because I was getting the same questions over and over and over. So I was like, I'll start a podcast so I can be like, oh, if you're a generator, go generator, go listen to episode three. If you're a manifester, go listen to episode six, like all that kind of stuff. So that's why I started the podcast. And at that time, it was only human design related. Now it's expanded a ton. Um, and near the end of 2020, I think, well, 2020 was an election year, right? sort of crazy. My network marketing company as a whole became very polarized and very divided. You were either a Trumper or super liberal. And if you know me well, I think that politics is a sham and totally part of the matrix and an illusion. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like 2024 is going to be really interesting. I'm I'm most likely going to be voting for RFK and I'm grateful to have like an actual person that I feel excited about to vote for. Cause that has not been the case lately, but politics is so crazy. So crazy. Anyways, I, my network marketing company became very polarized and it wasn't feeling good, even though it was bringing in a lot of money, good money. And I had to make the decision, like, I mean, I didn't, I, I knew the decision and I had to take action on the decision. So I started being like, Hey, I'm not coming to this nighttime zoom. I need to be in bed by eight. Um, and in 2021, I took the whole year off of drinking. And that was something that was really combined. Like I had to drink in order to stay up for evening zooms and, to lower social anxiety for when I did in-person get-togethers because I'm such an introvert. I know I didn't have to, but that's what I told myself and whatever. So in 2021, I put up big boundaries around a lot of stuff just to, to honor that no drinking for a year thing. And one of those was basically stepping down as a leadership figure in my network marketing company. And human design helped me do that. And it was scary because it was a good... I knew that that was like a five figure a month income that could grow, but my soul and my most aligned self said no to it. So that was sort of like jumping off a cliff without a net. And my business didn't start thriving right away. It took like a whole year of a lot of financial constriction but I was able to manifest the magic money to get us through. And then my business started, once I rebranded to You Do Woo in November, 2021, October, November, 2021, was when I really started getting my footing. And it's just been, it's been crazy to look back and be like, wow, I did this. I created this from nothing. And it is what was meant to be. And stepping away from network marketing and being kicked out of the music industry, truly, was what was supposed to happen. 
Like it truly was. Even though those, those are both really hard times. Um, and then this year we got kicked out of Dallas and moved to the Texas Hill Country, which is so crazy. This is one of my manifestations from when I was little. When we when I was like in elementary school, I think we started every year coming to the Frio River with some of our family friends. And it's here in the Hill Country. And I remember coming up here and being like, this feels like home. Why can't we move here? My dad worked in Houston, so we couldn't move there. And then when I went to school in Austin, starting in 2002, I loved Austin. And Austin was, it was what it used to be. It was very hippie-ish, keep Austin weird, whatever is not that anymore. It, it's changed a lot. Um, but I think I would have lived in Austin most of my life, except for I met Cam and he was from Dallas and he worked in Dallas. So I moved there for him and started our family and whatever. But Dallas was just not it at all. And there was part of me that was like sort of dead inside. I love nature. I love rivers and lakes and hiking and hills and everything. And I'll probably have to do a whole other episode on this, but in 2021, we stumbled upon this little town that we live in now. And we were like, okay, we need to move there. And it took a year and a half, almost two years. And we moved here real fast. Um, probably before we should have, but it's made this year the one of the best years of my life, truly, hands down. And I manifested that. And this is something I've been wanting since I was a little kid to live out here. So lots, I mean, there's more than that, but those were the big ones that have made a big life impact that I'm very grateful for. So, okay, last question, y'all. This has been a little bit longer than normal episode, but I hope you're liking it. Last question. What are you taking with you and what are you leaving behind as you step into Allison version 4.0? Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to start with leaving behind. I'm leaving behind alcohol. Okay. I don't know why it makes me cry. Um, this has been something I haven't shared with a lot of people yet. Um, this has been a three and a half year journey. I, in my twenties and thirties, first part of thirties, I took time off of alcohol. I do like the whole 30. I was in CrossFit for a little bit. Like there's times where I took like, you know, a month off sober October, dry January. I did those things. Um, and when I had Caroline, because of the postpartum anxiety, I drank more. Like I used to always drink like partying, going out. And then when I had Caroline, it was more like drinking at home. And that summer after that summer that I started this business, I took a, a, a pretty long break from alcohol, which was great. And that was the first time where I was like, Ooh, I think your hormones change after you have a kid. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't realize how good I felt not drinking. But then stress of COVID, we were renovating house, all of these different things. I, I didn't stick with that very long, maybe like 30, 45 days. And then I took all of 2021 off of drinking 
I had made that promise to myself. There were times in that year where I was like, ooh, I might just do this forever. But I like, I was like, I don't want to put rules on myself. I am just going to do, I'm going to say that I'm going to do this for a year, for a year when I get to the year mark, let's see. But there were times where I was very much like, this could be forever, right? Because you feel so good. But man, 2021, I did a lot of unpacking. Oh my gosh. I mean, there, I realized all the things that I drank to numb in that year, because then you can't numb when you're not drinking and all the things come for the surface. It was so hard. Not, not, not drinking wasn't hard, but the things coming to the surface was hard. So that was, it was interesting because even though that year was beautiful and magical and I felt so physically amazing, there was a lot of emotional stuff that was hard. Um, that was almost two decades worth of crap that had come back up. And so I don't know if I subconsciously associated not drinking with like hard emotions, <laughs> which it is, it's not easy to not numb, but it does get easier. Like I've heard from so many people who stopped drinking that it's like after a, a year is how long it takes your brain to actually rewire and grow all of the parts of it that you killed while you were drinking. And it's interesting because like there were times too where I only drink on the weekends, like Friday or Saturday, but it takes your body 10 days to get rid of alcohol. So I'm like, I never fully got rid of it out of my body ever, 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 um, except while pregnant. And then in 2021, you know, so went back to drinking in 2022, sometimes too much, honestly. Yeah. 2022, I was living in Dallas and just the stress of just driving in Dallas, like stressed me out. And that's not an excuse, but all the, all the life stressors, I was like, okay, well, I deserve a glass of wine tonight. Right. So 2022 went back to drinking 2023. I, uh, I think I did dry January. Yeah, I did dry January and that was great. And then we moved here in April and then like moving here. And I know this isn't how it works for everybody, but moving out of Dallas, I was just so much more calm. I was moving my body more. I was in nature more, um, didn't have to deal with traffic. There's 20,000 people here instead of 8 million people. Everything was just better. And I drank way less. Like I think in 2023, I have drank like 10 times total. And then the last couple of times I've drank, one was with my parents. We went to a Mexican food restaurant and I had two strong skinny margaritas and I didn't feel anything, no buzz. And I was like, well, this isn't fun because now I know I'm not going to sleep very well and I have no buzz. Like, what's the point? And then another time I did have a buzz, but it was like, not good. I think I drank three glasses of wine and I got sick. It was like my body started either. My body has this year now responded to alcohol as either a poison right away, almost right away, or a, like, like I'm drinking water and like not good water, like fluoride tap water. 
it's, I don't feel anything, even though it's like killing me inside. So I'm like, okay. And then that, when I did get sick that last time, there was something, I mean, I, I think I had, I might do an episode on this, but I had this connection, this like God moment where God was like, this isn't for you anymore. It's not a rule. You can do whatever you want, but this isn't part of Allison next level because you can drink it and either it'll make you feel nothing, which might as well drink water or your body will react like it's poison, which it is. But I also like, don't want to become the sober person who's like, oh my God, you're terrible. Don't ever drink. Cause I think everybody has a different journey. But also during that time, one thing God told me, and this was weird, like this is the first time I've ever been sick from alcohol and had a spiritual experience at the same time. Thank God. Uh, But God was like, you're done. You don't have to listen to me, but it's just, you're going to be done at some point. So you can do it now or you can do it later, you know? And he also was like, in 10 years, alcohol is going to be like cigarettes where hardly anybody is going to be doing it because people are going to realize how, how bad it is for your physical health. And it's going to be shunned. I was like, okay. And he's like, you can go first or you can do it in 10 years, like whatever you want to do. So I'm going now. And it's scary a little bit. I'm not physically, well, I think at times I was definitely physically addicted to alcohol. I don't, I don't have like not drinking now. I have not had any withdrawal symptoms at all. I don't have, I don't have craving like physical cravings, but it's a mental thing. Um, I think it's a mental thing. I think it's an ancestral thing. I'm German. Um, lots of alcoholism in my family, lots of alcoholism in my husband's family. And if we want to break that generational curse, then it has to be with us. And Cam hardly drinks. He, we don't keep alcohol at the house, so it's not hard at all. Um, and he, I mean, he could take it or leave it. And he does it sometimes when he's doing guys trips or whatever, but that's, I'm grateful for that too. Cause I know a lot of sober women or sober curious women whose partners drink and that's hard, you know? Um, and I am grateful for that. And we've had these discussions that it has to stop with us because having two families with alcoholism in it can mean way more issues for our children. So I'm going first. <laughs> it's not fun, but it will be fun. And it's just something where it's like, this is what it is. Um, And I'm trying to just take it day by day and not get too in my head about like, oh, girls winery trips or, you know, trips to Europe or whatever. And, you know, it's it's interesting because when we went to Portugal last summer, I did drink and alcohol wine is very different in Europe. They don't have as much sugar. They don't have sulfites. They don't spray glyphosate on their crops. It's different. You don't I never felt hungover at all. But I also, it, that was when my feelings started of like, well, but I'm not really getting a buzz. So like, what's the point, you know? 
So I think this is a gift that God has given me of being like, Hey, look, it's right by your 40th birthday. How about you give this birthday gift to yourself? And so that's what I'm leaving behind. It's really a big step, but it's also laughable because I'm like, you're going to go back and listen to this episode in 10 years and be like, oh my God, nobody drinks anymore. You were fine. Like, this is good. <laughs> so that's the hardest part is if alcohol wasn't a thing, I wouldn't want to do it, but it's very social, you know, and I right now have not totally rewired my brain yet to like not put socializing together with alcohol, but I will, it'll take some time. So that's what I'm leaving behind. What am I taking with me? Oh man, there's so many things. I'm taking with me all of the wisdom that I have gained in the past five years. Yeah. Five years of diving into human design. Um, I'm taking with me my motivation to do really big things in the world. It's crazy because, um, somebody asked me the other day and I've thought about this before. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what would you do if you won the lottery, like had a hundred million dollars? Like, would you still do your business? Yeah, I would. And I would do it in a different way. Probably. I'd probably just have the podcast. And then each month I would decide if I want to do like one or two readings or something just because I'm a generator and I love working and whatever, but I would probably have my podcast and I'd probably get involved somehow with maps, the psychedelic studies nonprofit that Rick Doblin started. If you don't know about that, go watch on Netflix, how to change your mind documentary. It's so good. Those are the two things I'd probably do probably with cam start a homestead of some sort buy some properties in different areas around the world travel i'm a sagittarius love to travel but i'm bringing with me the motivation to do really big things in this world and make really big changes while being balanced about it and really prioritizing my family above my work, which is an interesting thing because I think my work is so big that like, obviously like, it's like, okay, your family, it's like two people right now. But if you prioritize your job, you could actually help like 8 billion people. So how does two people, why are you prioritizing two people over 8 billion people? Because I feel like that's one of my lessons to learn in this lifetime. I feel like I'm going to be influencing the world regardless. But my way to take all of these things that I'm teaching you and put it into practice in my life is my family. And I finally have that higher level view. And it's now it's just a matter of day by day implementing small baby step changes to be more present. Maintain that that higher level view when I'm with them of like they are more important than my very important job deconditioning from workaholism, which I haven't had in a long time, but it's a, it's a deeply ingrained in my family and myself. Hula's talking to us. Deeply ingrained in my family and myself, workaholism is. And I'm taking all of that wisdom and awareness, even though it's uncomfortable, 
that I've gained in the past five years. And then I'm going to refine it, refine it, refine it, refine it slowly over a lifetime. I think I answered all y'all's questions. I hope you've enjoyed this. Let me know. Come book a session with me, human design or new paradigm intensive. The new paradigm intensive is really fun. Um, I'll put a Instagram live below in the show notes that I recorded with Kelly Brock. We did, I did an, I did an intensive session with her and then we had a Instagram live sort of talking about it, but those are really fun. I might have one more spot for each in December, but otherwise we'll be booking into January and I'll give you some, some homework to get started on beforehand. And then alchemy is open. Alchemy is amazing. I'd love to have you in there with us. It's an amazing group of women, six month commitment for right now. So if you're wanting to, this is like such a good deal, y'all like really good deal. The price will be going up on this. So get it now while you can and join us in there. Our next alchemy call is December 13th. That will be the last one of 2023. And then we'll have at least two, if not more in January and have a lot of fun surprises coming for y'all too. So join us in there. Let me know that you like this episode and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.